You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Ramban versus Rambam. We've been talking about Taimei HaMitzvos, and I think to understand the Ramban's approach in Taimei HaMitzvos and um, where he differs with the Rambam, and, and I'm not talking about very in specific mitzvahs, which of course we're going to talk about when, whether it comes to Korbonos or, or any of the other mitzvahs where the Ramban fiercely attacks the Rambam and, and, um, and really again indicates that the danger, as I was talking about in the Rambam's approach, the danger that Rav Hirsch warned about, the Rav Hirsch was uh, complaining about. In fact, uh, before we move on, I just want to tell you that Rav Hirsch, uh, although he set up his own rationale in mitzvahs, in many ways, what he did was informed by the Ramban, and he mentions the Ramban and Rav Yudah Levi as two of his uh, lodestones, the two of the, of the great sources from which he was able to expand and develop. So the Ramban is, is clearly, though similar to the Rambam in terms of the fact that mitzvahs should have a purpose and we should work on developing and understanding their purpose and how that will change us. Uh, he, he comes from a very different, uh, not only from a different perspective, but uh, the quality of the ideas and what the, the longevity of the ideas and how they can be expanded are, 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 are quite different between the Ramban and the Rambam. And I think that in order to do that, we might need to step back a little bit and see some major principles that the Ramban sets forth about mitzvahs. Not specifically about time mitzvahs, but we're going to get to that as well. So here is a, a postic that we have spoken about. In fact, I think it, it might have been the very first week that we gave uh, these classes about Kedusha. It's in, it's in Parshas, um, Kedosh, Parshas Achrimos. Here's the postic. Again, here we have again Mishpatim and Chukim. We've talked last week about how all the great Rishonim and based on Chazal, uh, and again, we delineated the difference between Mishpatim and Chukim. But now we have the next Pasuk says, Ushmartem es Chukosai ve'es Mishpotai. So we have doing them, being Shomer them, and then we have um, a repetition of that same principle, the Chaybahem. Now, the Ramban in Parshas Achrimos quotes the Rashi that was the basis of what we started talking about last week, the Chazal, that says that um, Mishpatai and Chukim are different. That mishpatai are things that are rooted in, 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 in what the community would need based on common sense, based on the human understanding of what makes a moral community. And, um, and hukosai are the things that we said last week are things that were part of a ritualistic spiritual life that by the time Chazal were writing was under attack by um, 
forces within the Jewish community themselves. And we said that this was a byproduct of the critical Hellenistic uh, philosophers and others who who were uh, questioning everything about that. And that's where Chazal started applying the term chukim to those things that were specifically vulnerable to those type of attacks. Okay. But the Ramban says in Pshat, what does Mishpat mean? In Pshat, Mishpat doesn't mean the logical mitzvos, like, because if you take a look in the Taras Kohanim, uh, it mentions as one of the logical mitzvos, Arayos, Avodos Kochovim, Kilulos Hashem, right? Things that, of course, that's the way you would want a religion to be. You're not going to have some Hellenist uh, quote, uh, arguing about that, are you? Okay. But in Pashipshat, what does the word Mishpat mean, the Ramban says? So Mishpat means Dinim. It's, these are the laws, Mishpat, that have to do with what? With torts, uh, other sorts of uh, maybe even capital punishment laws, but basically the laws that govern uh, the type of things you go to law school for to figure out how society works and what's considered um, a misdemeanor, what's considered a felony, what's considered a thing that will get a fine. Because to have these type of laws and, and, and however they're going to be structured on what the community needs, they lead to a settled society. They lead to peace between uh, people who live in that society. And because of the punishment and because of the uh, uh, deterrent aspect, what happens is people do not uh, feel that they can just go out and, 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 and beat somebody up. Uh, and they're not going to take their vengeance on people because there are laws and the laws are um, not only in the books, but they are also um, adhered to and they are administered and there is actual punishments being meted out. So the Ramban then goes on to show that Yecheskel, in other words, the Ramban does hear what Bible critics all do, uh, and that you don't have to be a Bible critic to do it, which is to discover psukim in the Torahs and find similar psukim in Tanakh and Nevi'im and Ksuvim. And he, and he says, look at Yecheskel. Yecheskel uses that term, Asher Yasa Odom Bechem, constantly. He says, Yecheskel mentions many times the idea of you will do these and you will live based on them. Now, let, let me let me explain it a little bit better. V'chai b'hem in Pashapshat means this is the way a society works because people aren't killing each other. People are restraining themselves. People have deterrence and they realize that there is law and order. That's what v'chai b'hem means in Pashapshat. And he proves it from Yecheskel because he, as you see the Pasuk in Yecheskel that he quotes in Perak Chof, Here's a, here it is right up on the board. I'm giving you chukim and mishpatim. Okay. And you can live with them. Now there's also Shabbos, which is an os. Now here's another Pasuk. That Beis Yisrael rebelled against God. 
they didn't go in his chukim. They didn't, they, they, uh, they felt a disgust and they didn't adhere to the mishpatim, which were meant to be done v'chai behem. And Shabbos was, they were machalil. So you see from Yechezkel that Chai is not about things like Shabbos, which make life so much better and make life beautiful. But Vachai is about the other parts of, of, of mitzvos. Um, the fact that Yechezkel keeps on showing you that Shabbos and things that have to do with those type of rituals are are beautiful part of the Torah and that the Jews didn't keep them. But the part that, that God is also disappointed with is the part that would, would let them live a better life in the community, which is, once again, Yechezkel says, Asher Adam Now, he also proves this from a Pasuk in Nehemiah, where he, the Nehemiah also says that that the Jewish people, God was thinking about returning the Jewish people. So once again, again, whether chukim are included in this is not really the Ramban's point. Ramban's point is, is that, that chai behem, the chai is about how life is just better when you have laws that People understand what they are. They live according to them. That is the simple pshat in the Pasuk in Parshas Achrimos, and it is, uh, he proves it from Yechezkel and Nehemiah. The, the Bible critic would stand up and applaud and say, great job, Ramban. That's the way I want people to learn the Torah, by comparing these these uh, parallel passages. Of course, Rabbi David C. Hoffman does the same thing, and he, of course, was very far from being a Bible critic, but that was what the Bible critics constantly felt should be done, that the books needed to be seen uh, not independent of, of other places in, 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 in Tanakh, in, in the Vimek Suvim. Then the Ramban says, but the Gemara, however, says Chai Behem means not that it's going to make life tolerable and, and safe, law and order. It means don't die with mitzvahs. And of course, this is what the Gemara says. It's interesting. This was actually the Chiddush of Shmuel, the Amora, that Pikuach Nefesh is Dochas HaShabbos mitzvos. Um, now, let me explain this a little bit better. The Ramban, I'm not going to go through the whole Gemara there, but if you do look in the Gemara in, in Yuma, you'll see that the Gemara actually has a whole series of Tanoim trying to figure out this cardinal rule that that human life is the greatest value and that mitzvahs are set aside and pushed off if human life is in danger. And it's only Shmuel, the Amora, and the doctor, who is the one who quotes the Pasuk of V'chai Bahem. The Gemara actually says that Shmuel's uh, interpretation is better than anything that had been said up until that point. Okay, but the but Shmuel, but anyway, that's why it is in the Gemara. It is Shmuel's opinion. It's not in a brisa, but Chai Behem means and don't die with mitzvos. Then he quotes the Ramban. So what does Ramban do first? Pashapshat using Yecheskel and Nehemiah, the Gemara. Then he quotes, and, and, I've, and, and again, we've, I don't want to make too big of a deal with this, but this is sort of the Ramban's method. To him, the Ramban would first quote 
a Gemara before he quotes a Taras Kohanim. Right? Before he quotes, uh, even Taras Kohanim is, 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 is in terms of, of chronologically comes before the Gemara because it's the early Midrash uh, Halacha. But remember, the Ramban gives prominence to the Talmud, the state of Shmuel. Then he quotes the early, uh, not necessarily, it didn't necessarily enter into, into the Talmudic discussion, but it is in Chazal. And what is that? And he calls it Medrash. And really, it's from the Torah's Kohanim, which is a Medrash in Halacha. V'chai behem l'olam haba. Hmm. Im tomber ba'olam azeh, the Medrash Chazal say, oh, he's going to die anyway. In other words, you're telling me mitzvahs make you live. V'chai behem. Meaning, <laughs> the, the polar opposite, really, of the Pshat. The Pshat is, yeah, this is the way we live in Olam Hazeh, because we have Mishpatim. Chazal say, what are mitzvahs do? They give chai behem, which means that you're going to get alum haba if you take, if you, if you, if you are makayim mitzvahs. Again, many people ask, well, how come the Torah never speaks about alum haba? According to the Ramban, this is one of the places that Chazal feel alum haba is indicated. V'chai behem, that you will have alum haba through fulfilling mitzvahs. Because it can't mean you're going to live forever. Well, one second, Doctor Cohen. Sure. You can't say you're going to be you live forever, because as we know and we talked about, everyone is going to die. So that is the idea of a chai behem, which is going to be the Ramban's real essay here. In other words, he's taken care of pshat, he's quoted the Gemara, but now he has picked this fruit from Chaz, from the Medrash, and that is going to be his, his next, uh, what he's going to do next. And therefore, he says, it's not about Mishpatim anymore. It's about Chukim as well. Chukim, Mishpatim. And remember, we've been talking about this is Seichel, this is beyond Seichel. Now the Ramban is talking about how mitzvos, what they lead to, that they lead too, by doing them, and of course we all know this is true, we've all been taught this since we've been three years old, but now he's going to explain that why the Torah uses that term of chai, and as Chazal says, for the Olam Haba experience, that all mitzvahs can lead to. Really, life is different Mitzvahs lead to life, the word chai. But it really depends how you take those mitzvahs. Now, um, there is one way to take mitzvahs. And uh, is what? Kiosa mitzvah shalolishman. You're doing them, but you not you haven't really pierced the rationale or 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 or, or lived the purpose or or or, or, or somehow combined your mind with what mitzvahs are supposed to do. Basically, you're doing them al menas pras. <laughs> you're doing mitzvahs because you believe there's a God, you believe there's a creator, and you've been scared or told that you'll be rewarded. So, what's going to happen? If that's your way of doing mitzvahs, <laughs> if you really fulfill mitzvahs and you 
and obviously you believe that there's a creator and you believe he commanded them, but you don't go much further in why you're doing it other than the fact that I will be rewarded. God will actually him. You'll actually get most, you're going to get, uh, you're gonna, you, you won't, your, your soul will not die. You will get an Olam Haba, but you're also going to get an Olam Haza. In fact, that person is going to get Osher Nechosim Vekovot, a pretty nice Olam Haza. Now, so that's level number one, which most people would like. Now, there's another type of, 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 of Jew. That type of Jew is Asher Ben Let me explain that different. The first type of Jew says, I doing it because God is doing it. There's some sort of pros waiting for me. But he doesn't really learn about what that means. And there's very little mystical thought that the person has uses in his daily life. And he gets a pretty good scar, which is a lot of this world. But then you have people who think about God in a real way. And they actually think about the fact that this world is going to end soon. And their their days are numbered. And there is an eternal life. And they think about a world to come that's going to last forever. So those people aren't just thinking about paras. You see the way I'm reading the Ramban here. Level number one is, yeah, the word olam haba, but it basically just means something's happening. So I'm going to get something in the in the future, you know, whatever that is. Lakabel <laughs> pras, right? Almanas lakabel pras. And maybe they're even thinking about, I'll be better in this world. The other one is really zeroing in on olam haba and thinks about olam haba. And part of what he means by thinking about olam haba, he realizes that he's going to die. And that God is this incredible being that created everything, and that He is not—he is not a person who of, of of meaning, and that God can punish him throughout his life. That's a person who's Oved Meira, and that person will will be able to skip Gehenna, as the Ramban says. He won't get the Mishpat of Rishoyim, and his nefesh will be in some beautiful state, a nice state. Now, both of these people, it sounds like, again, you have to read the Ramban carefully, but level number one does not necessarily get uh, a free pass out of Gehenna, <laughs> even though, uh, you know, and in some ways, uh, he's going to suffer. Number two will get less of a Gehenna, it seems to say. The third level, the Ramban says, is able, when he does mitzvos, he somehow, and I'm going to insert here by understanding why and knowing how much it means of God's love and, and, and learning about not just that there is a God who is who is magnificent, but actually some of the mechanisms of the way mitzvahs work and how they bring God closer to us and how, how we bond with him and, and a little more into the understanding of the rationale of mitzvahs from the Ramban's perspective, then you can be osek be mitzvahs me'ahava. 
then what happens is that when you do those mitzvahs, you do them out of love. What does that mean? And therefore, what does he do? That type of person is able to fuse his olam haza together. That's a very counterintuitive because it sounds like the person who 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 actually becomes the uh, understander of mitzvahs in the Ramban's perspective is actually able to be more into olam haza than the person who just says, "I fear God," and I, and I, I'm not necessarily going to understand why all these mitzvahs have been commanded, but I know that there is this magnificent God, and I know there is Olam Haba waiting for me, and I do fear his punishments. That person is more of a recluse than the third person. That person is can be involved in Olam Haza because he loves mitzvahs, Kedinu Kiroi, and, and and he recognizes how how gishmak they are, what they do for the community. He's 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 right, and that type of person is the type of person the Ramban says will actually not just he'll actually be able to get a great olam haza as well. Not only a great olam haza, a miraculous olam haza, like it says in Parshas Bichukosai, that there's going to be so much um, shefa, like we talk about every, all, the whole Jewish people will realize Bimosa Mashiach. That's what he says. That means that amazingly, continuously, there's not going to be this poverty, there's going to be wealth, there's going to be health, and it's not just going to be for one individual, it's going to be for a whole community. That's Oskin B'mitzvah Me'ahava. And that's really V'chai Bahem. They get high in Olam Hazeh. Now, remember, the first one sort of only gets high in Olam Hazeh. And we don't know much about his great Olam Haba. The second one gets a, a pretty secure Olam Haba. Not much of a high there. The third one, in the Ramban's way of looking at things, gets Olam Hazeh plus Olam Haba. And that's what he says. It's not, you know, it's like, yeah, you got everything. That's that's sort of the best you can expect, right? I don't know how long he's going to live, but the best, like he's not going to be sick and he's not going to have, just like the best type of Olam you can think of. And the Chayom Abbas, Chusam Shleim I don't know if the others gets Chusam Shleim and Olam Again, reading the Ramban carefully, what I see here is, is that level number two has nafsham betov tolin. doesn't say the schus is sholem. I mean, they're pretty good. You've got a nice good olam haba for you. Level number one, when you say v'chai behem, it really only means the olam hazeh. Now, that doesn't mean that they're cut off from Olam Haba, but their Olam Haba doesn't qualify as anything special. And again, what they're, they're again, you need to, like, what's, so they don't get Olam Haba at all? Come on. Okay, it was Shalom uh, But they did believe in God. All right, so they won't, they won't, they won't, but there's going to be some Gehenim. 
There's going to be, and even their Olam Haba is not going to be what you would call high Olam Haba. Number two does get uh, his Olam Haba, but it's not necessarily the best. It's not from Betov Tolin. Level three, who's already figuring out what mitzvahs are about, doing the me'ava, first of all, is better in Olam Haza in general because he, because of his understanding of mitzvahs and the way he does mitzvahs, he integrates them in Olam Haza in a better way and therefore can live like, and very similar to what we all expect to live be Yemosa Mashiach. That's level three. Now here comes level four. Level four is ha'ozvim kolinyan Hmm. Sort of like, in a way, the in other words, there's like four levels. One and two are, are very low, but again, again, obviously we're not talking about people being baleavero. One or two are like opposites of each other, and then three, which you would think is tremendous, right? But look at four. Four is ozvim kolinyan oilamaze, not with oilamaze. They really don't care about oilamaze. It's almost like it doesn't mean anything to them. They've, they've reached a level where they don't even see themselves as people with a body. All they're thinking about and, 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 and where, where they're stressing in their lives is the Creator. Now, whoever, who was like that? Well, Elio was. Elio was like that. Bidovek Navsham Anichbad. Now that comes, obviously, if you're a Novi, or in the Ramban's book, if you live and are Zoha to get a teacher who will teach you Kabbalah, who will initiate you and bring your soul forward, like the Neviim and the Mukubolim did. Those people, the highest level, they have v'chai. What does that mean, v'chai? Level number three lives to be 80, 90, 100, whatever it is, a good old age without dying from terrible illnesses and a nice olam haza with good things and health and a decent amount of money and a really great olam haba. But level four doesn't even die. <laughs> level four is able to live forever. Right? Um, they can actually live forever with their goof and nefesh. Now, remember, we talked about this a number of weeks ago, whether such a thing is even makes any sense, right? Remember the Ramban and the Raubag and the others who the Rambam, I'm sorry, and the Raubag and the others who said this can't really happen. It couldn't even be true by Odomarisha. Even Odomarisha would have to die. The Ramban here is saying there's people who could reach a level in their life like Odomarisha. And just like Odomarisha would not die, um, there are people who won't die. Yich so when it says v'chai behem, you better believe it's v'chai behem. You know, it's not like, oh, I got it in this world and a good olam haba. There was no difference between this world and olam haba to them. Um, 
Kenira because of Beliahu. If you look in the Psukim, it doesn't sound like Eliyahu dies, right? That sweet chariot that came down, right? 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 Swing low, sweet chariot, right? That was the chariot that comes and takes Eliyahu and Avi. And, uh, and, and it doesn't seem like he's dead. <laughs> it seems like he's alive. As And the tradition is that he didn't die, right? He's still around. And that's what it says, Ki now, so Elio and Hanoch are proofs. And the truth is, the people who get Olam Haba, what happens to them? They're Omeid B'tchiyas HaMesim, which, not like the Rambam, remember, according to the Rambam, T'chiyas HaMesim is... A great miracle, as the Rambam writes in the Igres Tchiyas Hamesim. I think we've mentioned this in previous classes. It's worth a minute of review. When when the Rambam was 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 pushed to the wall, and people thought from what he wrote in the Parsha Mishnah, and even the paltry amount of time he gave to it in Mishnah Torah, led people to suspect that uh, he was not a believer in in Tchiyas Hamesim, and that's why he had to write Igres Tchiyas Hamesim. And of course, he mentions, he writes it, and he, he says, "Of course, I believe in it." And if you read my parish Mishnah properly, you'll see that I that I give it, uh, I, I speak about it. But it isn't essential to him. Chiyosamaisim is a miracle that will happen. Will show that God's uh, ability to bring back the dead. He doesn't say that it'll happen to everyone, and he definitely doesn't say that it's the 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 um, this the the period, the launch pad period that leads into Olamaba. Tchiyas HaMesim is a great miracle. He doesn't deny it because it's in the Novi. And it shows God's incredible power of this world to push back against what is the uh, essential rule of life, that everything dies. No, you can actually come back from death. The Ramban here is saying, that the people were omeg b'tchiyas ha'meisim, their bodies come back, and they are in a way, of course, they had to die first, but in a way, they sort of also get a little bit, at least now, what Elio and Hanoch always had, which is, here's their body, and it's going to live forever. He says, that's why the Pesach says, Yarichun yamecha, l'man tichya, barachta yomim. And of course, this is by Kibbutz This is by other mitzvos. Why does it say Chai? Because Chai means different things. Chai means something different depending on which level you're on. Now, um, this level, that the fourth level gets into the title of today's uh, shear, which was Unio Mystico. Now, Unio Mystico is really a Latin term that describes the highest level of connection to God um, and was coined as something by the Christian church. These are what the Christian theologians uh, set forth as the great level to aspire to. Unio Mystico. And, um, again, I, 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 I don't, I can't give you an encyclopedic 
description of where it first appears and who deals with it. But it's definitely considered one of the great, great ideas of Christianity. But it's primarily unio mystico after death. Unio mystico is something that you strive for. And that is what will happen after death, is that you have complete union with the Godhead. That is what occurs after death. The incredible Kiddush of the Ramban is that it occurs during life. That it occurs in this world. And it happens because people can actually fulfill that going beyond level three. You can't jump to level four. I believe, and again, I I don't see this in the Ramban explicitly, but I believe level three is the launch pad for level four. And that allows a person to become like a Hanoch and like an Eliyahu. This is really related to another piece of Ramban, where the Ramban speaks about um, Dveikus. And um, this is, of course, uh, for those of you that uh, of a certain age, you might remember the the Jewish singing group, Dveikus. Um, The records that came out, I forgot when it was, in the the early 70s, I guess it was, Dveikus music. but those of you that, that, that are familiar with the term realize that that's one of the key principles of Hasidus. Baal Shem Tev Hasidus is Dveikus and Hashem, to be Dovik. Here's the Rambans uh, describing Loving God. That's Avas Hashem that we talked about. Me'ava. Now, does that mean mitzvahs? Does that mean acting like God? Seemingly acting like God. Something beyond mitzvahs. In other words, So let's read it again. These are the mitzvahs. Ava is something that could come from understanding mitzvahs. It's something we can invest in mitzvahs. And we could relish and, and revel in it and become great in our Ava through mitzvahs. But then there's something more than that, which is imitatio dei, imitating God, following God, balachta bedrochov, which is something, in a way, not necessarily because it's a mitzvah in the Torah, that you have Ava Hashem, but it's something where you've actually expanded on things, and then you have Ledovkabo. U Ledovkabo. Now, if you have this, which is quite a recipe, quite a mouthful, Kol Mitzvazos, Asharanochi Mitzvazchem, plus Avas Hashem, Lulechas Pechol Drochov, Dveikus, then you're going to get all of Eretz Yisrael. Now, does that mean Klau Yisrael actually fulfilled this? And I, I don't have an answer to this question. <laughs> because 
it sounds like if we get to this level of dveikus, that's going to be the way we get Eretz Yisrael, and all the goyim will just, you know, will be will be uh, will be uh, scattered and will be strewn away um, in front of us. Now, on here, the Ramban says, "Amar Rabavram Basof, Sod Godel." Remember, the Ben Ezra. Many times the Ramban uses the Ebenezer Ezra uh, to develop a point. And the Ebenezer Ezra was in some ways a philosophical, mystical type of thinker in some way. Again, philosophically, because he was familiar with Arabic philosophy, but he wasn't really as sold into it as we find the Ramban or the Rabag was. Um, and he says, this is a sod, godo, what dveik is to God. Uh, again, why is it a sod godo? Because the word literally means you're cleaving to him. How can you cleave to a, a being that is not physical? This is a great secret, the Ram, Ebenezer says, who sowed godo. Vena sowed mitam hamokamaze. He says there is a sod of dveikus, the Ramban says, but it doesn't seem to be connected here in this Pasek. Now, until eventually you're going to get Dveikus at the end. But not that Dveikus is somehow essential to go into Eretz Yisrael and have Eretz Yisrael totally and completely. Dveikus, according to the Eben Ezra, is like parenthetically here. In other words, if you reach a level that after you die, you'll get Dveikus in, okay, I will give, I will give you Eretz Yisrael. So what does dveikus mean? Once again, the Ramban is going to start off like a Bible critic. And then he's going to, he's going to shift gears. He says, let's look other places where the word dveikus is used. Look in Yehoshua. It says, B'shem el-reyem lo taskiru, v'lo tashbiyu, v'lo tavdum, v'lo tishtachbulohem, ki im bahashem elokeichem tidbaku. In other words, Yeshua is talking about the Jews who have gone into Eretz Yisrael, who actually are now surrounded by the other nations, and they're still the residue of all the different Sabotezoros. And Yeshua is saying, don't mention those other gods, don't swear by them like the other nations did. Be Dovik and Hashem, just like you've been till up until now. So what does that mean then? Dveikus, when Yeshua says in Pashapshat means, don't be uh, don't give in to the siren call of Avodah around you. So it isn't really Dveikus, absolutely. It's don't listen to them, stay with God. So it's sort of Dveikus, but it's not like, it's like, it's like you are resisting Avodah Oh, then I'm Dovik Tashem. Which means what? Tell yourself, Avodah is worthless. That doesn't really have anything. Hako Ephes Va'ayin. It's a bunch of idols. It's a bunch of constellations and stars. But it's not positive about God. It's just saying, hey, look, look, you didn't have Avodah Zorah until now. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Don't give into it. That's Dveikus Tashem. And in fact, the Ramban says, we're going to see, you take a look in the puzzle, it says, Oso Savodu, Ubo Tidbukun, which means, 
Dveikus, serve God and be Dovik in him. What does that mean? Meaning, don't try to create some sort of hybrid avoda, as many Jews did who were influenced by avoda zara. Don't try to, as the Rambam says in the beginning of the don't try to serve the, the, the sun and the moon. Don't insert that. Don't have a Rebbe, maybe, in fact. Well, the point is, when you're serving God, dveik us to God alone. Don't have other principles. Now the Rambam, okay, so oh, this is like a Bible, this is sort of like a Bible critic. Yeah, yeah, Dvekus doesn't mean you can be Dovik to Hashem. You can't be Dovik to God. Oh, Dovik means that you refuse to be like everybody else and you're saying, I'm just, I'm with the one God, the monotheistic, ineffable, unknowable God. And then he says, it could be what Dveka might also include. Hmm. Do you hear what's going on here? Chai behem means different things to different people. So does dveikus, by the way. In pshat, dveikus might mean one thing. But it could also include that basically you're remembering God, thinking about God, not remembering, thinking about God, evoking God, thinking about his love for, the love you have for him constantly. You never stop thinking of him. When you're walking, when you, whatever, it's, you, your brain is constant with God. Here's the most important phrase. You're talking to people. Hello. Hi, Mr. McGillicuddy. Yeah, I'll take some of those grapes you have over there. All right. How's the baby? no. And you're you're even answering the questions as well. Yeah, things are fine. Yeah, yeah, we might be moving next year. Yeah, okay. Belibo mohem. But your heart's not there. It's with Hashem. You're able to live on two levels here. You're able to live on two levels. V'yitochin ba'anshem ma'ilazos. And when you have people like that, Shatiya Navsham Gambichayem Surabitsurachim. They don't have to die. It's not the Ebn Ezra's death that we're talking about. It's not Unio Mystico of the Christians where it happens after you die. They are, we say, we'll say, Ktiyanavshat Surabitsurachim. His nefesh is Surabitsurachim when he's alive. Kihem Baatsmo Maon Lishkinah. They are an embodiment of the meat of Shechina. They are, in a way, the Shechina is, 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 is present within them, and they are like, like a living battery of Shechina. Kasher Romaz Baal Sefer Kozari. I have to know where in the Kozari he's talking about. But remember how I, I mentioned earlier the connection that Hirsch already saw between these two great men, between Yehuda Levi and the Ramban. That's the thing that we just did earlier. I already mentioned that by Vachai Behem, the idea. 
Now, <laughs> if that's what it means, what did Yeshua mean, though? Did you, right? Remember, we started with the Pashup Shad in Yeshua. The Pashup Shad in Yeshua was don't, don't give in to the Avodah be Dovik. Well, now it could be that when Yeshua said, you've, you've been Dovik until now, you know what it was in the Midbar? In the Midbar, think about what the Midbar was. It wasn't just no Avodah but there was also the cloud of God, which was miraculous. There was the Mun, miraculous. The Slav, miraculous. The Be'er, every action that they saw was, and every action they did was helped along by God with open miracles. When that's the way you live, then your thoughts are with God constantly. Because you're seeing God in this miraculous format with Mun, with Be'er, and therefore you're with God constantly. So now the Ramban is saying the Dordea, again, this doesn't necessarily ring so true considering of what we know about them, but the Ramban is saying, Yoshua was saying that there were many of them, at least maybe not all of them, but many of the people, and maybe a, a very large percentage, I don't know, lived in this sense of, of Dveikus. So therefore, Yeshua said, it's going to be harder now. You're not going to have all these maisim nifloyim. You're not going to have all these miraculous things. But you could still have the machshava there. You could still perhaps be that way. Yes, you're living in Eretz Yisrael and you don't have the clouds of glory, but you remember where your mind was? You were with God constantly. And this way your thoughts are never separated. In Gershon Sholem's book of essays, um, the Messianic idea in Judaism, essay eight is called Dveikus, or communion with God. And um, if you can find this on the internet, this 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 um, section, and I want to read to you a little bit, of course, about what he says. So I'm quoting Gershon Shalom, and you can read along with me on the board. In general Hebrew usage, dveikus only means attachment or devoutness. But since the 13th century, it's been used by the mystics in the sense of close and most intimate communion with God. Whereas in Catholic mysticism, communion was not the last step on the mystical way, although a book, the Hadarendo Dio, ascribed to Albert the Great, but actually by the Bavarian monk Johannes of Castile, was one of the outstanding mystical manuals of the later Middle Ages, in Kabbalism, it is the last grade of ascent to God. It's not union, because union with God is denied to man, even in that mystical upsurge of the soul, according to Kabbalistic theology. But it comes as near to union as a mystical interpretation of Judaism would allow. I'll skip the next sentence. Dveikus, or as we may also call it communion, is characterized in Kabbalistic literature by the following three traits. It's a value without eschatological connotations. It can be realized in this life, 
in a direct and personal way by every individual and has no messianic meaning. It's a state of personal bliss, which can be attained without having recourse to the vast field of eschatology, utopianism, and messianism. Being a strictly individual attainment, it's not an experience of the group, the social community of men, as is messianic redemption, nor is it rooted in hope, or for that matter, anticipation of the hereafter, of the world to come. In extological sense, man cannot be redeemed alone individually. Such individual redemption or salvation carries in Judaism no messianic meaning. It's essentially a private experience. Dveikus can be reached alone. Furthermore, such dveikus, although attained within the framework of this world, is for the most part realized only by the paradoxical means of abnegation and denial of the values of this world. And he quotes the Ramban that we just read. Now, the first piece he quotes is the one we started with tonight. The realization of Dveikus means, therefore, a constant being with God, which is not dependent on death and life after death. Hasidism has a new understanding of Dveikus, and a passage that's important to this new understanding is the second piece of Ramban that we just read. The statement that we just read about from the Ramban about being part of the Shechina. This statement bears a strong resemblance to a similar one by Maimonides. Uh, and we'll get to that eventually at the end of Marnavuchim. But in Ramban's definition, there appears for the first time an element which has played no great part in the Kabbalistic doctrine of Dveikus. It's mentioned often enough in quotations. I'm, Sholem is referring to, I am referring to, the combination of earthly action and Dveikus. Now here's the part where Sholem is, is reading the Ramban like a scholar, and I think correctly. It was not Ramban's intention to say that Dveikus could be realized in social action and association too. Meaning you need social action to have Dveikus. Ramban didn't say that, at least not in this section. But he clearly thought that it could be sustained even in social intercourse. Although such intercourse in itself is considered rather as a hindrance which must be overcome by special effort. Dveikus is a value of contemplative, not of active life. But Ramban is saying that it could be used to prove the possibility of the coincidence of the two spheres. A man might appear to be with other people, to talk to them, and perhaps even to participate in their activities, but in reality he's contemplating God. This is the highest attainment in the Kabbalistic scale of values and represents a blend of action and contemplation. For Nachmanides, Dveikus has always the specific meaning of communion with the last of the ten spheros, um, called Shechina, but as Shalom points out, that his older colleague, Rav Ezra ben Solomon, speaks of Dveikus with the Ayin, which is higher than Shechina, uh, which is called Ayin, which is the most hidden recess of divinity. He then goes on, Sholem goes on to tell you that you can see the same idea of the Ramban in the Shulah HaKadosh um, and in the uh, Mesilas Yesharim. 
in the very end of the Mesilus Yesharim, Mr. Shum speaks about Dveikus, and he says, when man succeeds in his quest for Dveikus with God, it could last forever. He'll be helped by God to what nature withholds from him. If a man attains such spiritual rank, even his earthly actions become holy matters. And that is why his meals become like holy offerings. So in other words, the Ramchal also, the Mesos Yisharm is also saying that Dveikus, when you get there, God helps you at the end. And then when you're in this world, it's almost like when you're eating, you're like a carbon that's eating. It's like, it's like you yourself are, are, are like a Mizbeach and the food you're getting is going straight to Hashem because as it feeds you, it's as if you are being Dovik Hashem, you are Dovik Hashem at that moment. Um, now, this is where uh, Gershon Shalom says this is what the Hasidim zero in on. Um, that even the profane sphere, the Chol, can be transformed into one sphere of Kedusha. And eating, you can eat like a Kodosh, like the Rebbe's do. Um, in fact, it becomes an act of Kedusha, a mysterious act. Um, and that's, in a way, as Shalom points out, not so mafurish in the Ramban. In other words, the Ramban just says, I can be eating, drinking, talking, but in my lave, I'm, I am, I am actually dovik to Hashem. But it's not that to be in the world and eating and drinking is a chaluk of dveikus. Dveikus is able to spread its aura over the eating and drinking. He says, even the Ramchal, uh, who says that um, by becoming Dovik Tashem, everything you do uses them for Kedusha, Ritzato draws no social conclusion from this conception of Tveikus. With him, everything connected with it remains wholly within the sphere of contemplation. But not that That, that that's a means of attaining Kedusha. When you're Kadosh, then even when you're in this world, the Kedusha doesn't stop. And it elevates things in this world. It's not about being in this world. So again, the Ramchal, although he seems to be a step beyond the Rambam, because he speaks about food being like a carbon, that when a tzaddik eats, it's like an achilas, like a carbon, he doesn't necessarily say that dveikus is actually achieved through social interaction in Kedusha. That is more the Balshemt of Sosidus, although it can definitely draw on what the Ramban is saying. Now, um, there's one more piece I want to do tonight of the Ramban, and that is, I believe, connected here. That's the, I've talked about Unio Mystico. Now, when it, the last part of it is extracting from the core. In the Pasik Vasisa Yosher Vatov Bene Hashem, to do Yosher Vitov, Laman Yitavloch. 
Once again, Yerusha Saaretz seems to be at the end. What does it mean to be Yosher and Tov? What does it mean to be Yosher and Tov? Alderach Hapshat, Yosher Betov means do the mitzvahs, but say, I'm not sure why God commanded them, but I want to be good in God's eyes. I'm trying to do it right. I want to be good. That's the simple shot. So in other words, Asisa Yosher is sort of telling you, even if you don't understand the rationale behind all the mitzvos, do them with the kavana of being being proper and right in God's eyes. And what will happen? God will man yitavloch. So even though we haven't, you haven't necessarily understood the depth of what God wants, Hashem will will give back the way you're giving to Him. Hashem meitiv latovim liyasharim bilibosam. So that is the simple shot. Then the Ramban takes the Gemara in Sanhedrin, which says, Vasisa Yoshevatov. What does that mean? Zup Sharu of Nimishurasadin. This is where you see that people need to compromise and go beyond the strict halacha. Why? He says, the kavon in this, the deeper kavon is. The first shot is, of course, do the mitzvos. Asher tzivcha. But now there's something about going beyond mitzvos. Tein dait chalasos hatova yosher be'enov. Now what does that mean? To go beyond mitzvos. Because e efshu lahasker b'tora kol anogas ha'odem imshchenov. The Torah could not have written a complete, definitive work that had everything that you need to know about how we deal with our neighbors and everything that has to happen in a community. But there's a lot in the Torah. There's enough in the Torah that tells you of of why to give uh, payah. That in order to realize, there's enough there about remembering the nefesh hager. There's enough to remember about the rationale behind certain mitzvahs, about being moral, being good, being kind. About the danger of, 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 of what things happen. In fact, even the fact that the Torah is against gossip, the Torah is against taking revenge. The Torah is about saving, the, uh, how important it is to save people's lives. The fact that the, low, the lowest people are given protection. And that the 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 type of feeling you have to have in terms of recognizing uh, people of age. So what do you see? You see from there what the Torah is about. Now that you know what the Torah is, now that you look at the Torah in totality, and you're right, there's it, it, there's a, there's a huge amount of mitzvahs, but it doesn't cover everything. But you are able to divine it's about there's a certain moral core that you're able to discover. So now you're going to extend that moral core other places. So even though there's no direct mitzvah about it, you're going to compromise. You're going to go beyond the halacha in so many places. For example, the din of Bar Metzra, 
which is the halacha, that when you are going to move out of town and you have property which is next to your neighbor's property, your neighbor has first dibs and you have to go to him first. And he has a right to take you to din if you try to sell it to someone else. Because you'll get the same money from him as you'll get from someone else. And he'll get a great benefit by having a contiguous property, which includes your old property and his. Now, there's no law in the Torah that says that. But Chazal understood that that was based on the Torah. That is a dinder that is bigger than a dinder It's not like a takana like Natilas Yadayim. It comes directly from the mindset of the Torah. When it speaks about how to be in the world, when it talks about the type of uh, how you have to control yourself and how you speak to people, that is all an extension of the Torah. That's Vasisa Yashavatov. The Torah doesn't have to spell it out. That is really divining what the Torah is about. Now, this goes beyond necessarily understanding the rationale of mitzvos. This is really understanding that that the mitzvos in totality, especially the ones about Ben Omlachavera, but even the ones that are not, give you should should be able to uh, develop within you a sense of what's yashras and what's tov. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 